So today is Father's Day. And man, I think of uh, Father's Day and how important dads are, right? Because I'm going to tell you, dads, uh, no offense, mom, but dads are the crux of society. Without question. Mom, you're great, you're wonderful, but dad's the cat's meow when it comes to society. And you're like, Pastor, what are you saying? Look, as a sorry dog, don't wag his own tail. Just saying. No, listen, fathers are it. Guys, and, and, and if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, Pastor, you already turned me off, well, turn back on and listen. Okay, because you need to hear what I've got to say. I'm just telling you, man, I, as I uh, look at today's society and I look at the scriptures and I see what the scriptures say about fathers and I look at society and how fathers have, have removed themselves and those that haven't removed themselves, the moms have pushed them out. And, and so you have both are guilty, right? Dad stepping out, mom pushing out, and then we have a train wreck of children, and it's just like, it's, guys, this is the society we live in today. And as we look at this, my, the warrior father, my challenge, ooh, testosterone today. <laughs> Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, for fathers, we, it is time for us to become warriors again. We live in a society that wants you to be feminine. God said, be the man he has called you to be. God says, be the father. God says, stand up, stand firm, be the protector. And so today, men, those of you who are fathers, today's your challenge to be a warrior father. And for those who are not fathers yet, don't forget today. Because the day is coming. And it doesn't matter what society tells you to do. It's what does God call us to do. It doesn't matter what society tells you to be. It's what God calls us to be. And I'm going to tell you, God has called men to be men and women to be women. And the other 76 genders cast them out because they're of Satan. And so today, I'm challenging you men. Men, be men. Men, take the reins back. Men, be the men of your household. But be men, godly men, in a godly way. I'm not asking you to be brutes. I'm not asking you to, to be anything other than what God has called us to be. And I'm going to give you five points today. Five of what it looks like to be a man of God. And I'm going to give you one example of what it looks like when a man is uh, a father is not the father he should be. And so today my challenge is for, for you fathers to be warriors. To be warriors. <clears throat> man, to stand up, stand strong. Stand proud, not arrogant, but proud in the Lord. And my challenge is just for you to be what God's called you to be. So today we're going to look at the warrior father. And you know, today our society is, listen, the greatest need in society is dad, to be dad. Men to be men. And I know some of you sit here today and dad's not here or dad 
left. Dad walked out on you. Dad wasn't there. And I get that because that's what happens in a society that does not promote the home to stay the home. That's what we got. And at every turn, the man is being attacked. I'm just telling you, at every turn, he is being attacked. If you look at the TV, they make him out to be a, a, a dunce. If you watch the, everything, everything that's going on, man doesn't know anything, woman knows it all. And so you, some of you women, you've abused your men with that mentality. And now you're upset because your man's not the man you want him to be. As we go through this, I'm just telling you guys, we live in such a time and day where our whole family dynamic that God has established has been brought down. It is crumbling at a rapid rate. Men, women can't take it anymore. And the first thing they want to do, run. Run. They just want to run. I told, I told a couple of my PAT team today, I said, today's my last day, I quit. This is it, today I quit. I'm gonna preach this sermon and I quit. Then I'm gonna take tomorrow off and I'm gonna get back at it Tuesday. <laughs> Just so you know. Right, so, so I know some of you are like, what? I'm not resigning. No, no, listen, listen, I annoy too many of you so I'm hanging in there to keep that up. But listen, right, so, so listen, sometimes we get tired and we do want to quit. So you take a break and then you jump right back in. Tomorrow I'm taking a break. Tuesday I'm jumping right back in. So if you call me or text me and I don't respond tomorrow, I already told you. I'm taking a break. And it's okay. But our greatest need in society is for dad to be dad and dad to have and assume their God-given role in the family. Moms, you need to let him do it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you get away with brutish stuff. <laughs> brutish. Look up brutish. You'll get the meaning of it. You're getting away with brutish stuff, and you're trying to dominate your home, and I'm just going to tell you, God is going to smote you. And when he does... I hope it is a massive attention getter. Like, I hope it leaves a mark. And when I fail as dad, he's going to smoke me too, and it's going to leave a mark. So it's, don't feel bad. I'm just telling you, we need to get back to a society that God established, not that man is ruling right now. And it is horrible. Uh, moms, you need, to give, you need to give dad back his position, and you need to stop uh, dominating your family, taking over, and literally destroying your family and your children. Mom, you need to stop. If you are assuming dad's role, that's exactly what you're doing with your family. You're destroying it on every level. Stop. And then dad, be the man. Step in and do it God's way. And so today, I'm going to tell you what that looks like. Now that I have vented and I am off my soapbox, Let's get into the sermon. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm telling you, we, we need Jesus and a whole lot of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So in Micah 6, 8, I want you to see 
the, the call on a, on a man, just in general, Micah 6.8. Is it not in there, the next verse? There you go. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. But no, that's Mark 12.30. I want Micah 6.8. That's all right. If you don't have it, I do. Uh, I'll read it right here. There we go. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. General requirement. Fulfills everything that we need to do. But I'm going to tell you that there are some things that we as fathers specifically need to do. This is general. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. If you do those three things, you're going to do well before the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, as we, as we look at this, uh, there are five points that I'm going to point out for fathers, very specific. One, a warrior father loves God. A warrior father loves God. If you love the Lord, that means you have put yourself in a position to raise your family, your children, exactly the way God has called you to do so. And that is love, which that means there's a whole lot of dynamics with that, right? I mean, God says uh, to, to spank your children. And you're like, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. He says to spare the rod is to hate your child. To not spank is to hate your child because you don't love your child enough to go in the way they should go. And some of you are sitting there going, I'd never spank. That's between you and God. I'm not getting in the middle of it. But a warrior father loves God. Look here in Mark 12, 30. In Mark 12, 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Guys, I think this is the beginning of our failure as men. I think this is the beginning of our failure as a society and, and as a whole, men and women. It, we say we love God, but uh, it doesn't show. It doesn't look like it. Our speech lacks. Our actions lack. Our attitude lacks. There's so much about us that lacks loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. There's so much missing. But I'm going to tell you, this is the beginning, guys, right here. Number one, you have to love the Lord your God. It is the basis which joy is built, right? Because joy only comes from the Lord and the priority, uh, priorities of our relationships. Because we are going to love people the way we love God. We're going to love our family the way we love God. It, it doesn't change. And so if you're minimal with God, you'll be minimal with your family, meaning there will be things that you're going to allow to get in the way. And it might even be you. You might be the problem. Because that's what happens when we don't love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We love us more. And so therefore we do what we choose, what we desire, rather than what God calls us to do. And then what we end up with is a broken home. A broken society. A broken country. A broken world. And all you got to do today is look in the paper, look on, well, oh, paper. Wow, that took me back, huh? <clears throat> yeah, you guys, don't, some of you don't even know what paper is. <laughs> all you got to, I have no electronics. Oh, all you got to do is look at your electronics. <clears throat> and, and, and you'll find what a broken world 
we live in. But to love God, man, that puts all relationships in the right perspective. Some of you are running from God. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, not only are you running from God, but you're part of the problem. No, okay, let me, you are the problem when you're running from God. I'm trying not to be politically correct without being politically correct and hurting everybody's feelings, but we don't care today. Look here in Isaiah 57, 21. I just want to help you out. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. That is Isaiah 57, 21. If you're running from God, you'll never gain peace. There is no peace apart from God. And therefore, there'll be no peace in your house. There's no peace in the relationship. There's no, there's no peace apart from God. None. There's no peace for the wicked. And by the way, if you're running from God, you're the wicked. And you go, I'm not wicked. No, you are wicked and evil if you're running from God. Because that means you're doing things your way rather than God's way, which is wicked and evil. Some of you are like, I don't like what you're saying, Pastor. I know. I know, but it's still got to be said. My children didn't like everything I said either, but it still had to be said, right? Number two. Yeah, we're moving through this because I'm going to get to one section and then I'm just going to beat it like a dead horse. That's a, <laughs> so I just hope you, hope you guys understand. That. Number two, a warrior father loves his wife. I was doing a sermon one time. This has probably been, I don't know, about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And it was on marriage. And I had everyone stand. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that right now. And I said, listen, I want you to take, men, I want you to take your wife's hand so I can pray for you as a couple. And I looked out, and I seen some of the dads do this, or the, the husbands. And I wanted to go up and go, you're the problem. Right? Okay, maybe that's just me. But I'm like, oh, my goodness. Dads, fathers, you've got to love your wife. You have, listen, there's so much involved in this. Like, this isn't, some of you are so consumed with you. And you're destroying your house. And look, some of you, you're trying to love your family, but your wife's destroying your house. You still got to take it back. Remember, you're a warrior, so even if it's by force, take it back. Stop the crazy. I'm not saying beat your wife. <laughs> some of you went, what does that look like? <laughs> here's, what it, here's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I saw the look. I had to throw the look at some of your faces were like, hmm. No. no, don't do that. Listen, let me tell you what it looks like to take your house back. The first thing you do is pray. First thing you do, you pray morning, noon, and night. The second thing you do is pray. And the third thing you do is pray. You make sure you're loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you walk that out in your family. And when your wife tells you no, and you know it's the right thing, tell your wife to sit down and pray. Seek God's face. It's not about her. 
When society tells you you can't give your child, uh, you can't invade your child's space, you've got to give your child privacy, take the door off the hinges. <laughs> oh, no, I meant that one. That wasn't a joke. Take the door off the hinges. Just take it off. Let them know you pay for that door, you pay for that house, you pay for the electric, you pay for everything they use, everything they eat. Tell them, if you can't respect it, it's mine. If they need discipline, discipline. They'll love you for it. They might listen, they might up front go, I hate you, but inside they're like, wow, my dad. And it may not be today or tomorrow, but it might be down the road where they really appreciate it. But, Dad, you've got to do it in such a way that you show them love, not just anger and hate. That's why I said pray, pray, pray. But, Dad, you've got you to love your wife. Look here in Ephesians 5.25. This is what the Scriptures say. Husbands, love your wives. And then here, because like we can go, okay, what does that look like? Well, you can't because the Bible says just as Christ loved the church. So now we have an example. What does that example look like? Because I'm telling you, husbands, some of us fail at this crazy, right? We love our wives as Christ loved the church. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not, ha not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Which means what? If you don't love your wife, you're not loving yourself. And therefore, you're not going to treat anyone else better than you. You need to love yourself, love your wife, as Christ loved the church. And ladies, let your husbands do that. Some of you, you have your own agenda, ladies. You're not being real with your house or your family. And because you're so caught up in your own agenda, you won't allow your husband to be the husband. And then you want to go find a man that you think you want. And you got the man there if you just let the man be the man. Man, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? You put her first. You give her time. You let the world see that that's your wife and you love her. Never be ashamed or embarrassed that you're married. Man, how does Christ love the church? So much so that he gave himself for her. He died for the church. He set the best example you could. He also disciplined the church, meaning that he put the church in its place. Righteously. With a loving hand, tender and mercy. Husbands, love your Wife as Christ loved the church. Because here's what you may not understand, you may not realize. Let me finish reading. Is that, yeah. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Guys, here's what you need to understand. Your sons, 
are going to treat their wives the way you treat your wife. Your daughters are going to find a man like you. Are you the person that you want your child to find and bring home? Are you being that person? Because your children are watching you. They're looking at you. And without question, they'll act like you. Daughters, if they don't get the love of dad, they'll go find it somewhere else. And that, the majority of the time, is not healthy. They don't know what love looks like, and they don't know how to be treated. They'll just think everything's okay, and they'll allow society to dictate their partner that they find for marriage. Dad, you be the one that dictates that. You be it. And if you think that, Dad, you don't matter, then how do you explain 87% of everybody in prison has a father that wasn't present in the home. 87%. What do you do with that number? You think dad, why do you think society is attacking dad so much today? They're trying to take him out of the picture because he controls the picture last year we showed a video of a school that had fights daily the school was a train wreck a train it was dangerous people the students didn't want to come to school it was horrible and then a handful of dads got together and they said you know what here's what we're going to do we're going to show up in the school and we're just we're just going to be hall monitors <laughs> for the day and they rotated shifts the days or weeks and the dads man they come in they got coffee and, and there was only about maybe a half a dozen of them and after the first day of them showing up guess how many fights they had at the school none 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 None. Teachers couldn't do it. Moms couldn't do it. It took dads to get in the picture, and all the crazy went away. And the students were saying what a great place it was to go and to learn now. And they weren't fearful. They knew dads were there. I'm telling you, dads make the difference And sons and daughters, they'll look for their dad and a partner without question. Number three, a warrior father loves his children. 
And look, love is more than just provision of material things. Dads, don't, don't miss your children growing up. Don't miss the childhood because guess what? You don't, you don't get a second childhood. You, you don't get it. You don't get it. One of my biggest regrets is that I didn't spend enough time with my children when they were growing up. Dads, love your children. Do not, do not sacrifice them. Discipline them. Look in, in Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Don't provoke them to anger. You're to build them up. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to make them mad when they don't get their own way. But sometimes dads poke their children. Don't poke them. Try to raise them up. Try to strengthen them. Some dads have this mentality, uh, uh, quality time versus quantity time. Well, they get quality time when I'm there. What is that, once a month or once a year for vacation? No, 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 quantity, always. And make that quality. Why sacrifice one or the other? Do both. Do both. Get involved. Like, get, love your children. Get involved. Because, you know, a child interprets love as time. T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. If you sacrifice the time, you're sacrificing your children. Because somebody will fill that slot. Rest assured, somebody will come in and fill that time. Whether it's social media, another family member, a friend, or an enemy. Somebody will fill that slot. Number four. I only got five, remember? Well, this one's going to take us about two hours, so... I rush to number four. A warrior father is a man of integrity. A man of integrity. The scripture has a lot to say about integrity. And ladies, this is for you as well. You're not exempt from integrity. Integrity is like commitment. It's become a thing of the past. For ladies and men, men and ladies. We, we think we can shelve our integrity. And I'm just going to tell you, integrity is what carries you. Integrity is what makes all the difference in the world. You know, when people look at you and they're going to make a decision, should they uh, invest in you or have you be a part of their life, the first thing they're going to look at is your integrity. Is it intact? Because if your integrity is not intact, your trust is probably not there either. Because if you're willing to sell yourself out, you're going to sell everybody else out too. Integrity. Fathers, I'm telling you, be a warrior father 
of integrity. <clears throat> and it should permeate every area of our life. Look here in 1 Kings 9, 4 through 7. Now this is, this is God talking to Solomon. Now if you walk before me as your father, David walked in integrity of heart. See, not just integrity as people look at you, but integrity as that's who you are. It's in your heart. This is, this is the core of you. This is, this is you being you. And you won't be swayed. When you have integrity of heart, you will not be swayed. In integrity of heart and in uprightness. To do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes, my judgments... Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments, my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all people. And if you notice here that God says, listen, the first thing he mentions, the first thing he mentions, the I need everyone to look at me. The first thing God mentions to Solomon to keep is his integrity. Because the integrity of a man is what carries that person, whether it be man or woman, carries that person through everything. And there's no way Solomon could have kept everything that God told him to keep if he didn't start with integrity of heart. Integrity can't be bought. Integrity can't be sold. If you have integrity, it's integrity of heart. It's who you are. And if you keep that before God, guess what? You will be blessed. But if not, look here what happens if he doesn't keep his integrity. Then I will cut off Israel. Israel's what? Israel was, was God, was the, the people of Solomon were over, that he was over. I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, which was the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. It was a wonderful place. And this house which I have consecrated for my name, I'll cast out of my sight. God will just take his blessing completely off of your house. You sacrifice your integrity. Because if you sacrifice your integrity, that means you're, you're doing unrighteous things. If your house is crazy, find out where God is or isn't. Did you, did you sacrifice your integrity and cast God out of your house and now you see why your house is, is, is the crazy house? You, you can't have, listen, listen, bitter and sweet don't come out of the same fountain. Fig trees don't grow grapes. So if your house is evil, you're evil in your house. Don't be shocked that your house is a train wreck. Oh, and don't blame anyone else. James says, look in the mirror. God says, All right, listen, I'll cast you out, meaning I'll take my hand off of you. You can live in your own train wreck, cesspool, junk. But then don't be shocked when your children act like you. Just don't be stunned. 
And if you have no integrity, unfortunately, that usually flows into the children. It's so unfortunate, but it's true. Job 2.3 Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Man, it's like, um, uh, God, Job is really carrying himself well. Why are you throwing him under the bus? And I believe it's because God knew he could trust Job. He could trust him. He tells Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered attacking him and destroying his life? He's an upright man. He's a man of integrity. Look here. And by the way, this is the second time that God offers Job. So after the question, look here. And still he holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him. And still, through all the junk he's been through, so if you sacrifice your integrity and then you're confronted and you say, well, you don't understand. No, we do understand. You chose to sacrifice your integrity. We know man can keep his integrity because Job kept his integrity. Listen, people go, I'll, I'll ask people, like, why did you lie? Well, you don't understand. I had to. No, you did not have to lie. You sacrificed your integrity and you lied so somebody wouldn't be mad at you. You lied because you are part of your child's evil. You lied because you wanted your own way. You lied, you lied, you lied, and you threw your integrity away. I bought a, a, a pump from a guy on Craigslist one time, or yeah, it was Craigslist. He was over in, in Schenectady, and we had a deal for $35 for the pump. It was a, a boiler pump. And I get there to pick it up, and, and he knew I needed it. Because we had discussed it over the phone, and I was in desperate need of it. And it wasn't for me. It was for someone else's home. And I get there, and I hand him 35, and he goes, 45. Now, in the flesh, the warrior side of me wanted to throat punch him. The God side of me looked at him, and his daughter was standing there. And I said, we had, a, we had a deal for 35. He goes, I want 45. Reached in my pocket, got out another 10. And before I handed it to him, I looked at his daughter. I said, sweetie, don't be like your daddy and sell your integrity for $10. I handed him and took the pump. Because that's what he did. His integrity was only worth 10 bucks. That's what he sold it for. Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy. God recognizes and looks at you and your integrity. Job 27.5. Job 27.5. Far be it from me that I should say you are right till I die. This is Job. This is Job. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity. Till I die, I will hold fast. And if you don't have the attitude of I'm going to keep my integrity until I die, you'll sell it. And maybe sell it for less than $10. Job was solid in it. Look here in Psalm 7, 8. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness 
and according to my integrity. Could you ask God or tell God, judge me according to my integrity? How well would that? I don't want an answer. <laughs> nobody, nobody answer that. This is like rhetorical as rhetorical can get. How would you fare if God judged you right now according to your righteousness and your integrity? How would you fare? That's a real question. But if you're going to be honest with yourself, which you should be, then that tells you where you're sitting with God and with man. And by the way, don't think you get away with anything because I promise you people see what you don't think they see. They know what's up. Even though you're not hiding anything. Look here in Psalm 26.1. <clears throat> Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. What an attitude. Vindicate me, God, because my integrity is intact and has stayed intact. God, get rid of my enemies. Vindicate me before my enemies, before people. See, our integrity will carry us, dads. Moms. Dads and moms that are not yet, but hopefully will be one day because you want one. Can you look at God and say, God, vindicate me because I've been righteous before you and my integrity is intact. Take care of my enemies. Proverbs 10.9. Oh, by the way, in this one, you notice the attitude is, I shall not slip. In other words, I'm not going to sacrifice my integrity. Same attitude that Job had. <clears throat> Proverbs 10.9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. You got nothing to hide. You got nothing to hide. You're not doing this. You got nothing to hide. You walk in integrity. And guess what? Nobody's going to have a bad thing to say about you either. Guys, I'm telling you, integrity. Oh, my goodness. If there was magic, integrity would be it. Makes everything wonderful. And even when it's not wonderful, guess what? I'm secure because I know I did what was right before God. I don't care about before man because I can't please every man, every person. Some of you love me, some of you hate me, some of you like me, some of you don't like me. You know what? That's part of life. I already know that. I already know I'm going to make decisions that's going to make somebody mad. I know it. But here's what I know. My integrity is intact so I can walk securely. You know why I look people in the eye? And anyone that knows me knows I'll look you in the eye when we have discussion. Even when I preach, I look you in the eye. Do you know why? My integrity is intact. I don't have a problem. I don't fear man. Why? My integrity is intact. I'm not losing sleep over what I say and do because I know I'm right before God. My integrity's intact. Because guess what? It's not for sale. It's not for sale. I'm not going to give away my integrity to please my children. I'm not going to give away my integrity because my wife 
doesn't like something, I'm not going to give away my integrity because the church thinks it should go another direction. I'm not going to give away my integrity. It's not for sale. It's not up for debate. It's not for sale. It's not, listen, my integrity is all I got. And if I'm going to stand before God and say, Lord, I've done all I could do. I want God to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you kept your integrity. It's not for sale. I don't need friends bad enough to sacrifice my integrity. I'm not lonely enough to sacrifice my integrity. As a matter of fact, I don't mind hanging out with me. I kind of like me. I need to chisel a few rough edges, but I still kind of like me. So I don't have to sacrifice my integrity. Especially as pastor, boy, I need to walk securely. Because if I can't call you out for sin because my integrity is not intact, I might as well retire now. I might as well make this my last Sunday. Because I don't want to have to worry about the plank in my eye getting the splinter out of yours. I'm just telling you guys, integrity, it goes a long, long way for getting a good night's sleep. And walking with your shoulders back and your head up. So that no matter what anyone says about you, you won't be ashamed. Look here in Proverbs 19.1. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. God says if you have no integrity, you're perverse and a fool. I didn't say that. I just repeated what God said. If you have no integrity, you are perverse in what you say, and you are a fool. And by the way, from the heart proceed things that come out of the mouth. You can't hide it. It's better to be poor and have nothing but your integrity. If you are going to be a warrior father... You'd be a warrior father of integrity. Look here in Proverbs 20, verse 7. I told you I had a lot here. I'm just, I'm almost done. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Man, you want good kids? Be a good dad. Moms, you want good kids? Be a good mom. How, what do you mean be good? Have integrity. Don't do things that give people ammunition to talk bad about you. And when they do talk bad about you, have lived such a life that they would be ashamed for lying on you. Integrity. A righteous person walks in his integrity or her integrity, and your children will do the same. Why? Because when you have integrity, you have everything else going for you. And you didn't sacrifice time with your children, see? All that just, all this just flows. 
I'm just telling you guys integrity. If there's one thing you don't get from anything else from this message, you take away integrity. And the importance and the value of integrity. I had more, but I stopped there. Number five. Number five. I think, I thought you guys would get the idea and all that. Or at least close to the idea. Number five. A warrior father is a role model of God. Every one of us in here is a role model. Man, woman, and child, you are modeling a role for someone. Every one of us in here. Someone's watching you. You're a role model. Without exception. Even if you think nobody's watching, look, if you're the biggest fool and liar in the room, people are watching you. If you're the quietest person who never says a word, people know you. So everyone here is a role model of some sort. And I'm telling warrior fathers to be a role model of God. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3, we should be imitators of Christ. That's our role model. That's our role, right? Christ set the example, and we imitate him. Look what Paul says. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. I was, I was in my heart going, but Paul, why didn't you put this in Timothy? Because you were Timothy's spiritual father, and this would have just been a great for my message, but, but you still get the idea, right? Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of women is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so he establishes the role. Man is over the wife. Now I know some of you ladies don't like that, but you need to tell God you don't like that. Man, I've done marriage counseling for some, and I'll make this statement, and I'll get this <laughs> from the women. And I'm like, ooh, dude, I'm praying for you. You already got a hill to climb, don't you? You didn't even say I do, and now you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Be imitators of Christ. Ladies, let your husbands lead the house. That's the order. Husbands. You lead as Christ led. You love as Christ led. Have integrity as Christ had. Have mercy, empathy, compassion as Christ had. Because we got a man in here that didn't. And this is my last point, but I'm going to end it on a good note. 1 Samuel 2.12. See, Eli didn't do well. Eli was a priest, and he had some boys. And guess what he did? Same thing some of you do. He let his children run wild and just ignored the sin they were in. As a matter of fact, when you ignore it, you're accomplice to it. And you know what? Some of you, some of you push your children into sin. Because you've, you've lost your mind going with the, oh, that just makes me so angry. When I see parents pushing their children into sin, that is the most disgusting thing you can do. 
the absolute most disgusting, vile, wicked, evil, wretched thing you can do. Because you have just set your children up for failure. Okay, I might have got too passionate on that. First Samuel 2.12, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord, but their dad was a pastor. And their dad ignored what their children were doing. Their, their children were stealing from the church. They're stealing, their, their children, his, his sons were having an adulterous affairs with the women that went to the church. They were corrupt at every turn. And it wasn't until God told Eli, <laughs> boy, you're going to pay for that, that Eli called his sons in and said, hey, hold on, because see, now it got personal. See, some of you parents, you don't take it personal what you've done to your children, but you're destroying your children. You're destroying the next generation. You're destroying the next household because you can't control your sin. You, can't, you have no integrity, and you can't control your sin, and you're sacrificing your children, and you think children, children will be okay. No, they won't. No, they won't. You know how I know? We got children in, in kindergarten asking for litter boxes because they think they're cats. You got boys thinking they're girls and girls thinking they're boys. You know, I'm telling you, we have a society of, of crazy. All because parents are like, let them figure it out. And I'm just telling you, it just brings corruption. Corruption breeds corruption. Eli was corrupt. And let me tell you what happened because Eli was corrupt. Go to, uh, oh, I didn't put it in there. All right, that's okay. I don't have time anyway. Here's what happens. Because Eli is corrupt, and he allowed his boys to corrupt the church, the temple, if you will. It was the temple. i using church because there's really no difference in today's vernacular. The entire nation crumbled and paid the price of those boys' sin. The entire nation. Because Eli was responsible for doing what was right and his, teaching his children what was right because uh, that was going to be the way of Israel. And when Eli didn't do what was right before God, he was not a warrior father. The nation of Israel fell. And you go, because of one man? Yeah, because of one man. See, that's what, you, that's what a lot of us don't understand. You live a life of corruption, then the next one following you lives a life of corruption, and then the one following them lives a life of corruption, and the one following them lives a life of corruption. And before you have it, you, before you know it, you have a whole society that's just following corruption because as generation goes, they're not going to know righteousness, so they're going to follow corruption, and then you have a collapsed society. I did a podcast on the dangers of using preferred pronouns. And they call a he, a she, or she, a he, we say, well, it's 
what they prefer. What's, what's the problem? And at that moment, there is no problem except for you're lying and you're condoning their lie. And you've left fantasy world and you're living in their fantasy world. But here's what happens. Look at where we're at today and how now, if you don't use proper pronouns, you're arrested. You lose your family. It's child abuse. Look at where the school system is today. Look where everything is today. See, because we, we plant a seed and then this is what we've harvested. Well, I'm just going to tell you, Dad, if you're not a warrior father and you don't start planting righteous seeds and being a man of integrity and leading your house and loving God and setting the example, you are planting seeds of destruction. It's only one or the other. And there's no way out of it. There's no way out of it. People are losing their jobs now because they don't use proper pronouns or preferred pronouns. Forget proper. We don't use preferred. In 6,000 years, we've used proper pronouns. Every language, every tongue, every nation. And now all of a sudden, it's wrong. You're going to lose everything if you don't support Disneyland. And I'm just going to tell you, you sacrifice your integrity, it'll go the same way as preferred pronouns. You sacrifice your righteousness, it's going to go the same way as preferred pronouns. You sacrifice doing what's right, you're going to destroy your family. And for some of you, that, you think I'm crazy. And for some of you, you think your family looks just fine, but you haven't seen the end result yet. It's, hold on. Megan Kelly even said, she can't do preferred pronouns anymore because when she started, she didn't realize the damage that it, beginning it did, but now she sees the damage. And that's guys dominating female sports and guys dominating all this and that. And it's, and it's like, oh my goodness. Dads, be warrior fathers. Fight. For your children, fight for your household, fight for your community, fight for your nation because your children have to live in the community and the nation that we end up with if we don't fight. Dad, I'm challenging you. Pick up your sword, be ready for battle. your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and so on and so forth are depending on you and me to do exactly that. 